0: Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to another episode of Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your humble host, Marco Santarelli. Imagine at the end of your life, you were standing before your creator and he asks you, did you use the time I gifted you each day to be a purposeful being? Did you follow your own path and make your time count? How faithfully did you tend to the dream I sowed in your soul? This excerpt from the Motivation Manifesto begs the question of whether you're engaged in the right habits to achieve your highest potential. When's the last time you stopped to ask yourself these or similar questions? My friend Brendan Burchard has spent many years helping others achieve their highest potential, and I know he can help you too. His lessons are research-based. Immensely practical, and I know they will make a big difference in your life. As one of the most requested motivational speakers in the world, Brendan has shared the stage with the Dalai Lama, Sir Richard Branson, Tony Robbins, and many of the leading influencers of this era. And today, you're going to learn about the most effective habits for reaching long term success. And it turns out that just six, six habits move the needle the most in helping you succeed. A quick message from our sponsor, Producers Wealth. MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and president of Producers Wealth, is on a mission to help you achieve financial independence as soon as possible. He achieves this by integrating the infinite banking concept and real estate investments to increase your financial efficiency and recapture the cash flow that you're not even aware that you're losing. MC shares the number one strategy of investors in his holistic wealth creation course, at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. It's my pleasure to welcome Brendan Burchard. Brendan is widely considered the world's leading high-performance coach. He is one of the most watched, quoted, and followed personal development trainers in history. And he is one of the most followed public figures on Facebook, and his videos have been viewed more than 100 million times and more than 2 million students have completed his online courses and video series. I had the pleasure of spending over three hours with Brendan at one of our Mastermind meetings recently, and it dawned on me that his message is perfect for my audience, and that's you. So it is my great honor to welcome Brendan to the show.
1: Man, thank you for having me, Marco. I'm pumped. I'm
0: pumped too, Brendan. You are an awesome public figure, and your content is so amazing. I have all three. Actually, I'm not sure if you have more than three books. I have all three of your books and I, I've gone through The Millionaire Messenger. Is that the title of the first one? Yes. Yep. Yes. And now I'm halfway through High Performance Habits and it's absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend everybody get a copy.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it, man. A labor of Love. Yeah, we're six books in now and I'll tell you, each one is just a labor of love because it's a deep dive into the research but also just getting people like the most practical and tactical stuff they can do to be high performing what they do because I know even with your audience, like, you get a choice. You can be an okay investor, or you can be a high performing investor. And everyone wants to be the high performing one. So they want what are those secret sauce strategies, or what's the research share that people can apply. And so I'm pumped to share any of that with you.
0: Right. It's the question is, you know, how do you reach that level of high performance? And how do you keep driving and moving forward, especially when some people feel quote unquote, saddled with, a nine-to-five job, or they have a vision of what they want to do, but they just can't seem to get to that next level. And I think we're going to talk about some of that today here. So I'm, I'm excited about that because we're going to kind of peel the layers of the onion back a little bit.
1: Let's do it. All
0: right. So Brandon, you're recognized as a worldwide authority on both human motivation and business marketing. And I love both of those topics. So let's start off by you taking a moment to tell our audience how you got to where you are today.
1: Oh, man. I know it's a big question, but just. Yeah, you know, I think it's everybody listening would have a very similar answer in that they had to go through some long hardships and dark nights and hours of toil and sweat and hardship to figure out their stuff, figure out what they're good at and figure out how they really want to serve, like how they want to make their difference. And I lucked out, honestly, as when I was a 19 year old kid, I had a car accident. And leading up to that car accident, I had been suicidal and I was a miserable kid. I had broken up with the first woman I ever loved. And when we broke up, I fell apart. My whole identity fell apart because everything was tied up in that relationship. The relationship fell apart, I fell apart, and I had started planning my suicide. And then I had the accident. The accident wasn't a result of the suicide, it was just a random car accident. And I learned. In that car accident, though, that if we're about to die, we ask questions about our life. We ask whether we lived our life fully and completely and with real joy and sincerity and authenticity. We ask if we loved because we think about who we're going to miss and who we will miss. And we ask if we really mattered because if at the end of your life, you get to look back. You go, was there a purpose to it? Was there a reason for it? Did I do something with myself? and I just call that now mortality motivation. <laughs> you know, wow. I didn't know it was, but at 19 years old, in a dramatic car accident, I just figured it out. I was like, whoa. Cause I asked those questions as I was recovering from the accident, as I was thinking about it years later, like what happened to me in those moments. It was like, wow, I, I didn't want to sense regret in my life. Right. I wanted to live with a purpose. But I tell people, listen, don't fool yourself in thinking you're living with purpose. If you haven't thought about what questions you're going to ask yourself at the end of your life, because if you know what questions you're going to ask yourself at the end of your life to evaluate whether or not you lived a good life, then you can live intentionally each day. So you're happy with the answers at the end. Well, I learned that at 19 and I went from this miserable, sad, suicidal kid to a person who was fully alive and excited about life who really wanted to earn my second chance at life. And I would tell people the full story of the car accident, which, you know, is a long story. And for those who want to see it, they can just check out my Facebook page. There's a, a video on there. I think it's like been viewed like 45 million times now. Right. But what I learned there, Marco, was that as I told people about the full accident, as I told people to really evaluate how you want your life to go and to live each day with greater intention and to have mortality motivation, people would say, hey, man, write a book on that. Or, hey, man, tell me more about this. And the truth is, I just wanted to figure out more of it myself. So first I did a deep dive into psychology and performance psychology. And then I wrote the first book and dude, the first book didn't do well. And it made me so mad that here's my life's message in this book and I didn't figure it out. So I did a deep dive in learning how to do marketing and build a business around the book. Mm -hmm. And those two things, doing the deep dive in the psychology and the research, then figuring out how to do marketing, those two things together helped me figure out my message and then share it with literally millions of people around the world at a time when that really wasn't happening in the personal development space at the level we were doing it. Right. And so you know, now everyone goes, wow, like you're the world expert in this type of thing. And I go, well, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just, I was a sad kid. I became happy. I shared how. I sucked at marketing. I learned how. I shared how. And it all grew beyond that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Was that The Millionaire
1: Messenger, the first book? No, the very first book was Life's Golden Ticket. Right. And that's what I felt like I got when I had the accident. You know, there was a, a moment after the car had rolled several times and I was able to pull myself through the windshield. What a scary moment. It was terrifying. Yeah. I mean,
0: you just said so much in so little time. We could literally spend an hour talking just about that experience and how it's changed your life and the direction that has put you on. And, you know, one thing I think about from time to time is coming to the end of my life or someone coming to the end of their life and all they can think about is what they could have done and what they should have done. Those regrets, you know, you don't want to end your life thinking about all the things that you could have done because i can't imagine anything more depressing than that.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's so important to get clarity and live each day with real intention. Yeah. To not just intention of what you want to do, but intention on how you want to feel. Intention on the experience you want to feel, the presence you want to feel with your wife, with the kids, or with the work or with the day's tasks, because what I've learned about high performers, especially the people who listen to this podcast are so awesome, right? It's like, you've got this unbelievable community. Great audience. But people Don't realize that successful people who are listening right now, what they sometimes don't realize is that their number one danger in life. Once you're good, the number one danger in life is that you're good enough to just go through the motions, right? Right. When you're good, you can get away with going through the motions because your good is everyone else's kind of best. And no one really notices that you're just kind of like going through the motions because you can. They don't notice that you're not putting your full self into that because they see your performance and go, dang, he's great. But sometimes when I peel the layers back with my performers, the truth is they're bored. Hmm. The truth is they don't feel the joy in it anymore. The truth is, They took on so many obligations because they are good. They can do anything. So they end up doing everything. So they don't feel connected to anything. And so the ultimate danger for successful people is that they can end up going through the motions because they can get away with it. And as you know, I mean, I, I literally have the blessing on a daily and weekly basis of coaching the world's top performers in any given industry. This is literally gold medal Olympic. Level people. This is, you know, when I get the call to work with an Usher or an Oprah. This is when I get the call to work with Fortune 50 CEOs. And so many people don't realize that their next level isn't the next level of achievement. It's the next level of alignment right. and the next level of feeling. And when you realize that, you start aligning to the things that bring you back to life. You will bring more of your life into the things. And that shifts everything for people. And I had to learn that too, because we've all been at stages of our career where we're good. And that's when it's most dangerous. Yeah. And you have to determine how much of you are you going to bring into your work and what is that work? Because a lot of people, Marco, as you know, they're busy. They got tasks. They got to do's. They're good at that. But their busy work isn't always their life's work. And that's why they're suffering inside.
0: So do you believe in the concept that good is the enemy of great?
1: No, I think good is the gateway to great. Okay. I don't think it's an enemy. I think it's a necessary step. Okay. I think people get that wrong. It's like, God, I want people to get good at what they're doing. But then realize that's just the gate. And now greatness is not always just another level of skill. It's another level of presence and joy, and confidence. Because the truth is, when you step into greatness, you're going to have to learn more skills. When you step into greatness, there's going to be more required of you. So it might not be that you're actually as good as that. When you're reaching greatness, you might not have the skill level you have in another area where you were just good, because now more is demanded of you. So you're more, people mistake this all the time. They think, well, when I have greatness, I have total confidence and certainty. The reality is when you have greatness, more stuff comes at you that you don't know how to deal with. That's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm experiencing that myself. We were talking about that before we started recording here. And I think what you're talking about ties into some of your habits, particularly the third one, which we'll get into in a moment here. But let me just digress here. I told you I'm in the middle of your book. I read a summary, so I have the context of the entire book, but I'm in the middle of, of high performance habits and it's outstanding. And I highly recommend people get a copy. And in the book, it sounds like that you believe success has little to do with some of the things that we're all told by other quote unquote gurus, like, you know, keep a journal or self quantify or play to your strengths. Or, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell talks about logging your 10,000 hours of practice. Why is that? Why do you think it's different?
1: Well, each of those has different arguments to them. I think the perspective that we have is a real blessing. And that is, for those who don't know, high performance habits is of the culmination of what is currently today the world's largest study of high performers that's ever been done, with data from people from over 190 countries who are validated to be high performers. Amazing. So these are people who tend to be the top 15% of the most successful people in the world in their fields. So we've got the data, and a lot of other people, they're just teaching from what they think or what they feel or what their personal development experience has been about. Mine's from two things. The deepest research has been ever done in the field. And two, I do the work actually in charge of the transformation of people's lives. It's not like I'm theoretical in an ivory tower. It's like I live to do this at the highest levels. And I'm in, I get paid if I get the transformation. Right. So that experience for 10 years at the top level of getting paid, I only get paid if I get results. And then I took all of that. We spent over a million dollars on this study with some of the biggest academic teams and the smartest people on the planet to make sure we did it right. So we just have more data. And some of those common things that people get wrong are very easy to explain. Like people think that your personality really matters. So take Myers-Briggs or take all these different psychological things to figure out what your strengths are. But what we found is high performers don't necessarily work on their strengths any more than anybody else does. And in fact, they're often asking a different question. They're not going into every situation going, oh, what am I good at here? And where can I excel uniquely? Because this is my strength at birth. And remember, the strengths movement was all founded upon the idea that you are inherently born with specific strengths. That's right. That you're born with these talents. That's what the strengths movement is, is that you naturally have an inclination to certain things. And by the way, that is true. It just sometimes at the next level, at the highest level, it doesn't matter. Because to become great, you have to go beyond your comfort zones. Your comfort zones are your strengths. And sometimes to require reach the next level, you got to go beyond that. What we found is high performers aren't so much saying, geez, what's my strengths and how do I apply them there? Instead, they walk into a situation and they say, okay, what is required to be of service here? And how do I grow into that person or develop the skills that would be required to succeed here? Just like no one walks into the passive investment field and go, well, I'm naturally born at this. It's like, no, you got to learn. If you want to succeed, you've got to figure it out. Absolutely. You've got to develop, you grow into greatness. You aren't just born with it. And so when people realize that, because that's just the data, that's super clear. The high performers are just as much likely to work in areas of their strengths as other people, as average performers. It's instead the specific habits. It's not about their personality. It's about their practices and how they go about things. And let's talk about Malcolm Gladwell real quick because a lot of people haven't seen the research on that or heard Malcolm describe it. Malcolm Gladwell borrowed the 10,000 hours concept from a researcher named Anders Okay, He wrote a book called Peak that most of your listeners, I hope, will listen to at some point in their life. Anders is the world-renowned leading expert on how to develop expertise. I mean, he's literally so high above anyone else in that field. And what Malcolm got wrong is he was kind of just saying, hey, do your 10,000 hours. and That's what makes a difference. And Anders wasn't saying that. And now it's kind of famous. A lot of Malcolm Gladwell interviews and a lot of interviews with Anders has helped explain how Malcolm got that wrong, which he admits. And what Anders was saying is it's not just the hours of practice. It's the type of practice. Because if you just do a skill over and over and over and over again, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll get better at it. You need to have a specific type of feedback as you're doing it and specific challenges as you're doing it to be able to get better. As you know, you could do a skill a million times, you could put 10,000 hours in doing it by yourself. But if you put 10,000 hours on and you had a coach watching you, giving you feedback, giving you higher challenges, obviously you would get better with that type of practice. And so that was what was missed. We have a whole chapter in High performance habits where we talk about this concept of progressive mastery and how a world-class swimmer would attain it, a world-class investor, or a world-class runner, or a world-class violinist, or a world-class academic. It's like there's a way to progressively develop mastery faster. And so that's kind of the promise of high performance habits, is it's do these specific types of practices, and regardless of your personality profile regardless of your strengths, you'll get ahead. Because in any given field, anyone who has any life experience is recognized in any given field at the top. There's lots of different people with lots of different personalities who succeed, even sometimes despite their personality. So it can't be about personality.
0: I love what you said a few minutes ago, and I think you nailed it. And I got to put this on my Instagram and quote you. You said you grow into your greatness. That is so spot on because you really do, you really do. And that's a good, and I
1: think, go ahead. You know, one of the most important thing for people, and I'm just passionate about this like you are, is like helping them with education because if you leave your growth to randomness, then you'll always be locked into the land of mediocrity, right? which is what most people do. They kind of hope they get better, but what high performers do is they architect it. Kind of like you and I were talking before, You're architecting your growth by joining masterminds, by going to events, by doing community education, by interviewing people like this. Like if I show up into someone's life, I like to say, open up your laptop, show me your calendar. And if I look at their calendar for the next six months and I can't see scheduled time for personal and professional development, like literally blocks or days of time when they're working on something or they're masterminding or they're taking a class or they've marked out this time to read this book or finish this online course then I'm like, oh my god, they're just leaving it to luck, right? And leaving your learning to luck is guaranteeing mediocrity.
0: Well, I think that's planning to fail.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. That's absolutely right.
0: You're planning to fail, and yeah, you know what? You've got another great quote here. You architect your greatness. I love that. Yes, that's it. All right, now uh, we're gonna have like a thousand quotes by the end of this recording. <laughs> so this is a good segue here. So, Brandon, you believe peak performance comes from building the right six habits. And this is what your book is about, what you call the HP six or high performance six. So let's briefly touch on those. I mean, we obviously can't get into all the details of this, but this is what your book and your programs are all about. So the first one is, I want to say it's obvious, but it probably isn't to many people. And that is to seek clarity. Just give us an overview of what this chapter is about.
1: Yeah. Well, first I want to speak to what you just said is it's probably obvious. And what we found in high performance research and studies and coaching though, however, is common sense is not always common <laughs> Right. And so you've got the situation where everyone knows they should be seeking clarity. And notice it doesn't say get clarity. It says that high performers, one of the quintessential thing that differentiates them from average performers is when they wander into situations, they actively seek clarity for what's required to win there, for what's required of them there for what they want, how they want a meaningfully to contribute, what skills might be necessary to win there. So they're seeking clarity in like, same thing, you walk into a meeting, the average performer just strolls into a meeting, dumb to the world, and a high performer has thought through, what does each person that meeting need? What's the outcome we are after? They are always asking themselves questions to get clarity about how to win. They don't do it when they turn 30, 40, 50, 60, they don't do it like most people, Literally, the only real clarity they seek is on New Year's Eve, you know, when they're inebriated. (laughs) Yeah. Very few people sit down on Sunday and look at the week that is coming up and think, okay, what do I strategically need to do to add more value in these upcoming meetings? Okay, what do I need to do to win this week? Okay, let me get clear about what I should cancel and what I should focus on. Let me get clear about my goals. Everyone says, the goals are important. So few people look at them every day. Everyone says that, of course, I need to be clear about my mission, my values. Of course, I need to start each day with intention. Of course, I need to be clear about what makes my marriage successful. But again, common sense is not always common practice. Very few people think about clarity until they're in trouble. And that's why they never become my performers.
0: Yeah. And I don't think it starts with the meeting, like you mentioned, or your goals. I think it has to go all the way back to what brings you meaning and purpose as a person. That's it. You got to start at the core of it and then work out because if you're doing something and you're achieving your goals, it doesn't mean that it's going to be fulfilling. It goes back to what you were saying at the beginning. There's successful people who know how to write out and achieve goals, but they just feel that there's something missing, that there's something else out there and they're not happy.
1: Yes, and we did hundreds of interviews with high performers to ask them, what exactly are they seeking clarity on? And it kind of came out of this framework we call the future four. They're seeking clarity on who they want to be in the future, how they want to treat and interact with other people, what skills they need to develop to advance and win, and what service they could provide or do or be a part of that would give them meaning and fulfillment. So it's self, social, skill, and service. Those four areas, they just think about those more than the average person. And that's why they get above average results.
0: Yeah. I had a friend of ours on, on an episode here about a year and a half ago, Dean Graziosi. Yeah. I love Dean. Yeah. Dean's great. And one of the exercises he does is he has people ask the question, why at least seven times, just drill down. And every time you answer the question, why ask it again, why did you answer it that way? And You get down to the core of it eventually. And sometimes it brings, you know, emotions and tears to your eyes. But ultimately, that's where you get down to meaning and purpose.
1: That's it. Even the act of asking why is seeking clarity. And that's just what high performers do more often.
0: Yeah. And most people, and I teach my daughter this, but most people don't ask the question why. I was going to say often enough, but sometimes ever. And so uh, I I really think it's a good skill.
1: And dude, honestly, most people don't ask any questions. (laughs) Well, that's true. They literally just show up. Asking a question is a proactive thing. Most people are reactive. They just show up and take what's there. They just yeah. show up and take instruction. They just show up and do what the world says to do. And that's why they really struggle. I mean, the promise of high performance as we get into these habits is that just to be really academically clear for people, because high performance isn't like a, a myth or a, a concept. It's something you can truly measure. And what's magical about it is though that you can, Reach high performance, which is defined as achieving long-term success and sustaining it over a period of time versus the standard norms of your industry or topic, your area. But in order to have it, it's correlated directly with achieving well-being and maintaining positive relationships. And I bring that up because a lot of people, they dream of something or they think of something and they think they have to ruin their life to go get it. And so they do have clarity, but they don't have clarity on exactly what they're after. You want long-term success, but you want long-term success only if you can maintain positive relationships and maintaining your health and well-being. If you compromise your health and well-being or your relationships, that will ultimately steal from your long-term success or at least make it feel hollow. So when you're seeking clarity, know that the success you're really after and the only one that can be maintained over a long period of time at the highest levels is the one where you are also clear about the fact you've got to create awesome relationships along the way and you've got to take care of your health and well-being because if you compromise any of those two, you compromise the third.
0: Right, yeah. So you break down seeking clarity into the self and that's really just being, is acting like the person you want to be. So you develop those skills and those strengths, you set goals. And then one of my mentors taught me this saying, he says, be the person you want to become. Be the person you want to become. And I think about that a lot. I always put myself out of my comfort zone to be the person I want to become. And that way, I find that I act and talk that way. And it helps me to grow because it's stretching that rubber band and it doesn't go back once you've stretched it.
1: I love it. And you know what? So many people have that intention. So let's give them a tactic to do that. We talk about it in the book. But if everyone listening would just identify three words that would describe the best of who you could be, Like these are three words you would love to have on your tombstone. And these three words, you would be proud of these three words. You would feel like, gosh, if I, if I lived with intention to be these three words in life, I would be a good human and I would achieve my goals. And the simple tactic is once you have those three words, put them in your phone as an alarm label to go off three times a day. So as I go throughout my day, all of a sudden my phone vibrates And I look down and there's an alarm going off and the label says my three words. And I've taught literally millions of people to do this. And when, I mean, I I know the biggest names in the world. I know the words in their phone and they love this activity because your phone can either be a weapon of mass distraction or you can use it as a tool to get better. And the alarm that goes off with your three words on it, no matter what, how long you have that thing set, you'll forget about it. It'll buzz and you look down your words and you're like, oh, am I living those words right now? Am I becoming these words that I'd be proud of? And it teaches you, it literally trains you to live into your best self. Because if you have to look at it multiple times a day, every day, it trains your brain to be more intentional about those things and you become it.
0: I went through a similar exercise in one of my mastermind groups. Someone was speaking and I forgot who it was. And they had us describe ourselves and then reduce it down to seven words and no more. You cannot go more than seven words, including the word and. And I think this is kind of similar to what you're talking about. And I reduced mine down to the following seven. And I'm just going to share this openly with the world. It's this successful investor, entrepreneur, mentor, father, and husband. Mm. Seven words. And if I was to do what you just said, put that in my phone and have it pop up as a reminder. Actually, I should do that. I think that's a good idea. But that's ultimately what I want to keep in front of myself.
1: Yes. And then, you know, one layer deep is how do you want to be in each of those? Like, right you say successful husband what's three words that describe what that is or what's three phrases that describes right what a good husband is because we can all say i want to be a good husband but if we go one layer D and say a good husband means listen to wife <laughs> you know <laughs> right. show gratitude and appreciation right flirt you know flirt with your wife put those three things now when those pop up those are actions and directives I love it. You achieve the good husband stuff.
0: Right, right. I love it. Okay, that's a good exercise. I'm going to do that. Because Brendan and I went on for well over an hour, I've had to cut this episode with him into two parts. So stay tuned for part two, which will be next week. And I hope you're enjoying our conversation about high performance habits. And he really is a dynamic and amazing person. So do look into his book and his programs and also stay tuned next week where he has a little uh, freebie for you. And so hope you enjoy it. We'll talk soon.